Welcome to probably the best fitness and nutrition podcast. On today's episode, we have with us a former Team USA and UL Lafayette softball superstar, Ashley Big Brignac. We discuss how her torn shoulder in college and road to recovery led to her specializing in shoulder work in her chiropractic practice today. We also discuss when to see a chiropractor and when not to see a chiropractor. Make sure to check us out at www.stackedcoaching.com for all your nutrition and fitness needs. And stay tuned on our Instagram feed for our very special five-day Fuel Your Fitness Challenge that will be free and also have VIP access. The winner of that challenge will receive 12 free weeks of private nutrition coaching. Make sure to check us out. Here we go, y'all. Enjoy the Welcome show. back to probably the best fitness and nutrition podcast. I'm Bradley Schneller, and I have with us a collegiate superstar in sports. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Also, um, a chiropractor uh, and athletic trainer. Is that correct? No, no, no. not, not no, no, athletic no. trainer. No. no. Well, you can't Close win enough. them all. You can't win them all, guys. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Ashley Brignac. All the way from, did I say that right? Yes, you did. Good job. Thank God. All the way from Lafayette, right? No. Well, I went to school there. I'm oh, from. Oh, you're from I'm, here. You're from here. You went to Curtis. Yeah, I did. That's right. I did. I moved from Denham Springs, though. I have a little country in me. Wait, wait. You grew up in Denham Springs? I grew up in Denham Springs. I did. Did you have any, like, uh, farm animals or anything? I did not. I don't know what life is like in Denham Springs. Can you explain to me? It's normal. It's normal? Yeah, y'all are weird down here. Weird. Y'all talk about, okay, let, let's talk about the language yeah. real quick. Y'all say, go to your rum. I don't know what rum is. Rum's an alcohol, not your room. Okay. And so I got made fun of all the time here. But then I married a guy in Lafayette. He talks Cajun, you know, and then country and add New Orleans. I don't really know. I'm a mixed breed now. <laughs> I don't really know what I am. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So uh, I want to, you know, it's, it's pretty cool how we met, actually. Um, Ashley was out there thirsting to find some gyms um, mm-hmm. and called me out of called me out of the blue right yep, message you message me um, the, the new way to do things the new way to do things <laughs> yeah and I, I met up with Ashley I let her uh, what well, liked what she had to say about um, my shoulder and what she does in the chiropractic realm um, and we met up and she did uh, kind of gave me a run through and then worked on my shoulder a little bit and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and okay. so I wanted to bring her on the show uh, and talk a little bit about what she does, but how uh, chiropractic um, practice can help facilitate a healthy body as well as help some people heal. Absolutely. Um, because everybody, if you work out long enough and hard enough, everybody gets bumps and bruises. Oh my gosh, yeah, just your daily life, sitting there, driving, texting, we all know we're on our phone too much, Netflixing, you know, is the new thing, Um, the way you sleep, the shoes you wear, um, all of those things, you know, contribute to little sprains and strains throughout our body, right? We don't really call them that, Um, but over time, that's why you can all of a sudden go, I have a fit guy coming to the gym, barely walking, he's like, all I did was grab my kid's clothes out of the dryer. I'm like, you think that was the thing that brought you down? No. It's like the whole adage, like, butterfly flaps its wings, a tsunami happens in Japan, right? Well, that's not what, it was just the last event. Yeah. So over time, your body gets dysfunction, and then the last flap of the wings is what gets you down. Yeah, I talk about that a lot when we bring new people in here uh, to the gym. I show them our load versus capacity chart, and I've I've talked a lot about this in the past, but everybody kind of has a capacity line. 
for which they operate in life. And load is a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Load is the stress you have bringing your kids to school, picking them up, sitting in carpool line, the, you know, paying your bills. But it's also load is the wear and tear in your body throughout your entire life. Every little rolled ankle, every, um, you know, bump and bruise along the way. It's your flexibility, your mobility, your range of motion. Uh, And then what you literally did that day, you know, you could have slept wrong. How was your sleep, your stress levels, all the, your diet, those types of things all lead up to your load. So, you know, sometimes when someone gets, um, I'll say injured is a strong word, but, you yeah. know, hurt, injured, um, maybe a little bit setback, something like that in the gym, and they go to the doctor, and the doctor asks them what, what were you doing, that's kind of a wrong question. Mm-hmm. It's what, what was everything that you were doing that led up to this? Let's try to find the root cause because I guarantee you it wasn't the deadlift. It wasn't the right. uh, kettlebell swing, you know, or the push press or whatever. It was everything yep. leading up to that. Usually my question is, when did you first notice that? Because that will give us a lot of information. If you were bending a certain way, right, then I can tell you probably what area is there. Let's back it up. So a lot of times, though, I ask people, what would you do? I did nothing different. I'm like, all right, well, what did you do two days beforehand? Oh, man, I, I did Christmas shopping. I was sitting on the ground wrapping presents. Okay, so that's a big factor. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Or COVID, you know, throughout the whole pandemic, everyone's doing something different. They're either working from home, their outside activity levels have changed, and they still wonder why things are achy. I'm like, well, your body's experiencing something completely new. Maybe you're moving more, and you're finally realizing, ooh, that's not that's not moving correctly, right? Right, And you just don't know how to explain it or what that feeling is like. And so you're expecting you to twist your ankle for you to understand that there's an injury. But we know like, no, that's little things that add up and those small things make such a big difference. Yeah, so you tore your shoulder in college, right? Yes. Can you tell everybody exactly what happened? Yeah, so I was a softball pitcher at a pretty high level. I did y'all tore, win a, did y'all y'all went to the College World Series? Yes, right? we did my freshman year. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. beat number one Florida. They only had two losses. We gave them their third. Nice. Pretty awesome about that. Oh, she didn't say she played for UL Lafayette. And played for UL Lafayette and played for the junior Olympic team uh, coming out of high school. And so I was able to travel the world a little bit doing that. Nice. Uh, back in my heydays. Um, so I tore my labrum front and back. I have a slap tear. I went to Dr. James Andrews, the same surgeon who, um, Drew Brees, Drew Brees. Yeah. And a few other, a few other pro athletes. Um, so went to him. World renowned. Right. And so, uh, it was pretty cool to meet him, but he's the only one who showed me that there was actually a second tear in my labrum. It's supposed to look like a triangle. Mine was a bulb. Um, and so I have eight anchors in my shoulder to this day. Um, I pitched two games pain-free after that, but I was able to modify how I pitched and what I did. So really my freshman year was my only, I call it my only good year because it's my only normal shoulder year. So you said you pitched two games after the surgery. No, I pitched two games pain-free. Oh, right. Oh, I pitched many seasons after. Right. So, you know, and I kind of want to back it up all the way to to high school, but I do want to talk about that a little bit. How, what was that like? Uh, like, can you explain the level of pain? Like on a scale of one to 10, when you went out there and pitched after the surgery, besides those two games mm-hmm. pain-free, what, what level of pain was it? 
I mean, it was an achy pain. It was at when you're such a high level and an elite athlete the way I was and being a pitcher, I'm so very in tune with my body. And so knowing that I couldn't do certain pitches, when I would release the ball a certain way, there'd be a little ache or a little twinge. Mm-hmm. And so I knew how to get around that. So my first baseman, we were very, very close. Her name's Gabby. Um, she would know when I would shake my shoulder a certain way or my hand a certain mm-hmm. way that I needed a break. So she would come and talk with me. So it'd be oh. numbness into my pinky and into my ring finger. Um, it'd be weakness, but it was a build up every game. So I'd have a really good game and then slowly it would ache. It would ache and get to the point where one game I couldn't do a whole lot. The recovery was a little different and then I'd build back up. And so that was my final, um, year was, pretty rough with that and Mm -hmm. so um I wasn't able to pitch as many bullpens because I only had so many revolutions left in my shoulder and so a lot of people I'm it's kind of weird I'm kind of thankful for it because a lot of people leave the sport and they still have this aching this burning of I want to still play and you're like I'm done (laughs) I am done I was done I miss I had missed that competitiveness I missed postseason that was the funnest time of the year but I was done my shoulder is done and so it's really funny now is I went back to Dr. Andrews because I was still having problems right before my senior year or my fifth year, should I say. And he told me he can go back in and take out my anchors on my shoulder because they've done their job, but it's still causing me pain. And I, in nice words, I told him, no, you're not touching my shoulder again because of the rehab was so intense. And I didn't want to redshirt another year because I had already graduated. I was ready to move on with my life. Um, but yeah, so to this day, still have eight anchors on my shoulder, very limited mobility. Can you take them out now? Yeah, he could, but no, thank you. It's good in my normal day life. I don't pitch anymore. It right. only bothered me to pitch. And okay. what's funny about labral tears, a lot of people know about rotator cuff tears, mm-hmm. right, or rotator cuff issues. Labrum is something that's actually becoming more prevalent, and I started hearing it a lot more in our sport after mine. I didn't hear about it. I was like one of the first that I heard. Um, and one of the first to come back from that, right? And I'm still able to win awards um, when I came back. It just, I wasn't doing it at the level that I wanted to. So I felt like it was, um, it took me many years to be okay with how I ended my career um, because I wasn't at the level that I was prior, right? Um, So now I'm completely okay with all of that. Um, But it doesn't bother me in my day-to-day life. Um, During my career, playing sports with my kids now, um, I get some aches and pains, but now I'm in a career field that I know exactly how to treat it. And then I go on with my day. So it only bothers me and maybe like these little, you know, hand cleans you were having us do out there. Right. It's (laughs) almost like uh, what happened to you over that period of time Mm -hmm. helped prepare you better to do your profession. Absolutely. And that's why I love shoulders. And in our profession, you hear of neck pain or back pain, right? And that's what we do. We just rack and crack, apparently. That's what a lot of people think, right? And that's not what we do. But what's really cool is I get to take it to the next level and say, actually, we treat shoulders. And I treat shoulders so amazing. And I love it. And being able to add not just adjustments to it, be able to add all these different soft tissue therapies. And dry needling is my favorite. And it's not something that was there when I was actually injured. Mm -hmm. Had I had dry needling, and that type of a practice when I was injured or even post-surgery, it might have been a different result. I probably would have had a different um, pain level. Or reduced your pain to pitch. Absolutely. And if your pain is less, I mean, ultimately, that means probably like the inflammation is less. Yeah. Which uh, might allow you to put a little bit more velocity on a pitch or something. Yeah, and being able to spin the ball a certain way. My Most of my pain was on release point. So when it's mm-hmm. painful there, you either kind of tense up your body, protects itself. So your mechanics will change a little bit. Um, your speed towards the end of a towards the snap should be at its greatest and mine would slow up a little bit. My spin revolution maybe wasn't as tight. So what was my best pitch towards the beginning of my career? Um, towards the end of my career, my pitch has changed. Yeah. And it was because of mobility and the pain. So that 
that labrum tear, um, I mean, I guess there's varying degrees of labrum tears, mm-hmm. right? Like I tore mine. Yep. Mine didn't require eight anchors yep. by Dr. James Andrews, yes. although I am not some high level athlete, contrary to popular belief. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I'm pretty sure you're better an athlete right now than I ever was. So. <laughs> well, I'm 38 and I do it every day. So. <laughs> right. um, but so that sounds like pretty horrific. Okay. What do you think? You know, we talked about root causes and what contributed to that. What do you think contributed to your tear? Well, one, I am very hypermobile. I can turn my left shoulder all the way around. My right shoulder obviously is being held on by anchors. She did that to me in person. It is weird. (laughs) But, you know, so I know that. So I'm very mobile. But that's honestly what gave me the speed that I was able to do. Mm -hmm. It gave me the mobility to be able to pitch the way I did. So I wouldn't take that back, right? I love that part of me. But... Um, I actually know when it happened. Um, we were playing the Olympic team. They were doing their 08 tour to get ready for the Olympics. And we played the Mountain Sulphur. We played on a turf field. I was in turf shoes. Normally we wear cleats. Normally we're on dirt. And the way... Oh, you were pitching actually on turf. Because mm-hmm. I know most turf fields have a dirt mound, right? Yeah. And I, it could have been. But I do know I was warming up on turf. I, gotcha. I do remember that. Okay. Um, and so I pitch rise balls. Rise balls require a lot of resistance on the front foot. And so when I don't have the grip that I need, right, some things are going to change. Adrenaline's up. Mm-hmm. Normally my speed's around 68 average. I was hitting 72 that night. Um, and, and you're getting ready to play the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we lost in eight innings. I mean, we are seven innings, one nothing. I mean, it was a very close game, tight game, right? Um, and so a little adrenaline. And then after that, there was a little twinge in my biceps tendon. Then there was a little twinge in my elbow. Then it was the posterior shoulder. And all, it, all like all in the same it, night? Or no, all? it slowly happened over about two weeks. Okay. And then it got to the point where I couldn't pitch. To the point where for a conference tournament, I had to go. I was on a steroid pack, gotten a shot. Um, And for the World Series, I was on a lot of medication to keep my shoulder pain down. But my mechanics were so off, I was still able to do what I needed to do. Um, But a lot of people watching on TV like, man, your mechanics are bad. I'm like, actually, it's just protecting my shoulder. Because if I was in the right position, my shoulder, I wouldn't be able to pitch. So this, you would say your injury is more like has to do with maybe something that changed in your mechanics when you were warming up on the turf Mm -hmm. field, not any overuse or anything like that. No, I don't think so because I, I never had any problems prior to that. I was in pretty good health. I was, you know, fitness wise. I never had shoulder. I think looking back though, things have changed since I played and a lot more is driven on the fitness side and stabilization side um, a little bit more now, and maybe it's just the career field I, and I'm noticing that more. But a lot of people, instead of just being so sports-oriented, there's a lot more fitness background. So honestly, I, I had a little bit leading up to um, college, but I didn't have a whole, whole lot. Yeah. And so I was strong in what I needed to do, but there probably could have been some better strength, right? Um, and so I'm sure a lot of that honestly led me up. So guess what? When I do pitching lessons now, I talk to them about strength of the shoulder. Now, my dad, we had certain um, tools and things that we did, but to the level that um, things are at now, yeah. it obviously, you know, looking back, you're like, oh, that could have been better, but we were doing the best we could whenever I was growing up, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I asked that question because I had always heard, and you can tell me, we yeah. talked a little bit about this, if this is a myth or this is a fact, like softball pitchers can just pitch yeah, every single day. that's complete myth. Right, okay, well, there you go. Complete so, myth. if you don't know what we're talking about, um, it's a comparison between baseball and yep. softball. Like they have baseball pitchers have to rest often yep. because of the throwing motion. And they say softball is pitching is a more natural 
motion because it's underhand, so you can do it way more. Now, it is more natural, absolutely. Um, but the whole adage of it used to be just wear and tear on one pitcher, right? And I was a single uh, only pitcher for a while, um, <laughs> <laughs> just for a little bit. But it's changed now to a pitching um a squad, right? It changed to more of interchanging pitchers. It's not the same so it's as more it used like to baseball, be. Yeah, yeah, they've moved it. And I wonder why. Baseball has really good results. They have right. a lot of research on that, right? And although our motion is more natural, I can't tell you how many labrum issues I've seen since uh, I've had mine, but they talked a lot about when they moved the, the mound back to 43 feet. Like that made a big difference from 40 feet. So three feet, most people are like, uh, not a big deal. For softball pitchers, it's a really big deal. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of issues. And then they went ahead and moved high school back three feet. So I'm, I have a feeling that there's been a lot more since then. Um, but so you have to combat that with all the fitness and all the stabilizations of the shoulder. And honestly, holistic treatments, I think, are very important. And again, a little bit back in the day, but they're more prevalent well, now. So let's talk about that. So like you went to Curtis. Mm -hmm. um, and they're a pretty good softball team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what was your strength and conditioning like at Curtis? We did a little bit in the fall as far as like your PE classes. But honestly, in high school, you so actually... non-existent. Right. But here's the thing. In high school, you're very limited to January. So softball, we actually couldn't do a whole, whole lot until January as far as softball goes, right? So we would have a little bit of fitness in the fall, but not much. And so I was playing fall ball, though. Softball is year-round. Um, and so I was playing fall ball, doing a lot of techniques there, um, pitching, doing drills. I didn't pitch too much in between, but I did what I needed to do. Um, so as far as going to the gym, that was actually not really a big thing. We did a lot more conditioning, um, cardio, yeah. if anything, and abs. I really feel, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past with some former like soccer players, mm -hmm. uh, females and you see a lot of non-contact injuries. ACLs. <laughs> yeah, ACLs with female soccer players. And I believe, I mean, there is – strength and conditioning is non-existent for females in college. I mean, in high school. It, it, it's come around, but it wasn't. I mean, we had a little bit of a gym routine, but it wasn't anything, like, masterminded, right? It was like a right. little quad extension here. Nothing specific to our sport or to our position. It's a lot of conditioning. Right. And so, then your natural talent. Yeah. And then we're going to harness that. Yeah. Instead of, like, we're putting you in positions that are, you know – putting sheer force on your joints, right? And right. we're not doing anything to stabilize those. Right, and I think um, education has come a long way, and I feel like the, where the times have gone, they've moved that way, because now, I look back, those same programs, their fitness and their recovery and their warm-ups are so much better, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's so good, and so I'm very proud to see that, that it's not doing the same wheel over and over again, right? That they are, they have changed, and I see such good results with that. If you're a parent out there and you have a, a high school athlete who is female and they are not doing strength and conditioning, you should, for their team, like, you should seek outside help. Yeah? Absolutely, and here's also the thing, though. Strength and conditioning doesn't mean bulking up. Right, no, I'm not saying Right, that a lot of people yeah. think that, though. Yeah. They think, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to bulk up, and as women, we don't want that, or we shouldn't be. I mean, have you seen a gymnast, though? They're not that bulky, but they are strong, Well, right? they have no body fat, and they're just jacked. You know, but what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. like though, you don't have to be bulky no. to be strong. And so strength and conditioning is a lot more even stabilization. Um, I love seeing, like, athletes who have a lot of muscle, who you know, like, they just go to the gym for the muscles. Um, I tell them to, go, like, go to yoga. 
Right. Your ego is going to be shot real quick because you're not working on the stabilization muscles. Strength and conditioning can work on those things. So then you're more powerful because I have learned in my adult life and in my mom life um, by me being pregnant and a lot of other issues that I deal with. When you lose those stabilization muscles, you are weak and you will tear everything. So I actually, after my first child, I went to the gym getting back on a routine. Four weeks in, my back's never hurt more. Um, I started tearing my quads and I realized, wow, like my lower core though, I never had to work on it. It was always there kind of, like I didn't have to fully focus on it. I had to create a routine for me that took actually two years for me to even feel my abs when I did like a crunch. Yeah. Yeah. So um, stabilization is so key. And so for those athletes, that's the biggest thing. Don't think you have to go to the gym to get bulky. So a lot of fitness trainers, though, they're now moving more into stabilization and balance and glute activation and core and shoulder blades, especially scaps for uh, pitchers and throwers. So important. Yeah. How was it in college? It was good. Now, they didn't do as much positional um, specific. We did gotcha. sports specific. Um, but not only did we go to the gym there, we would actually it's better go, than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing. Uh, we would go to the field and then do like a circuits. And then the pitchers would then have. So we did it kind of on our own, not through the gym as much. We did a lot. But here's so funny is the fall, I was started doing really good. And all of a sudden, I feel like I, my speed was low. I feel like I couldn't do a whole lot. And it's because I was bulking up so much that I was getting away from my high velocity quick speed. So I had to go and do sprints. I had to do less weight, more reps, and more explosive, not the slow squats. Um, and then my speed picked right back up. Was there a, I imagine no, was there a strength coach specific for softball? Or, mm -hmm. Oh, there was. Yep. So we had okay. a softball, but he was also in charge of a couple other sports. That's what I was going to ask. Is it right. more like, uh, you know, this this strength coach? It's not like football or basketball or baseball that, ha you know, has their And usually, own so our guy was coach. softball and baseball, okay. from what I remember, maybe golf as well. Like, so, and I think may, probably at the bigger schools, I mean, you all come a long way. I mean, their yeah. campus is oh, gorgeous. I wish it went now. Um, but so I'm sure at the bigger schools, they might have the funds to be able to do one of each. I don't know. But ours, we had, he was in charge of two or three sports. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of how the whole fitness works. I mean, it makes sense. There's not a lot of people in those teams. Yeah. But our coaches, they, uh, the low teeps, they actually took it in their own hands. And then after the gym, we'd go to the field and do some more workouts and circuits. So hand cleans, um, that was something that was really big into our circuits. So it's nostalgia, like <laughs> nostalgia, but sometimes not a good nostalgia. <laughs> I just put Ashley through a workout. She hasn't worked out in two, two years, years yeah. two years, and we just took her through a uh, Rue workout. Um, it's, it's not because I don't like fitness. It's because, you know, during a pregnancy life. and having a baby, you know, it, things change. Hey, life happens, right? <laughs> right. So, um, all right. So you're feeling good now. We, yep. we talked a little bit about that. Yep. Um, what? We touched on this earlier. So we talked about like all of the, not necessarily, because chiropractors get a bad rap, yeah. you know? Um, and I went, I used to go to a chiropractor and then I had some doctors talk shit about chiropractors yeah, and then yeah. I, and then I stopped going to a chiropractor yeah. and then I seen a chiropractor again. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was convenience for me, uh, right. but I, saw you again and again I like everything you heard so let's start here though what is you know I talk about it all the time there's a lot of uh, one of the reasons we're not called CrossFit Roo and we're called Roo Fitness and um, is because I didn't want all of the other 
shitty CrossFit gyms <laughs> hurting my reputation because of all these silly things that they're doing out there that might right. put someone at risk. I talk about risk versus reward all the time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the silly things that chiropractors are doing out there? Some. Yeah. Obviously, it's not across the field. Right. I feel like we get a bad rap in the healthcare field um, because we're easy to pick on, right? But in every field, there's a bad MD. There's bad, you know, all these different professions, right? Um, My dad's a mechanic. They get it all the time as well. And so chiropractors, I didn't realize how bad of a rep they had until I was in school and my plumber came over. I told him I was studying and he said, oh, you're going to be a quack. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but that's cool. And then I had someone ask me, are you a doctor or are you a chiropractor? I'm like both good job you know like I just I didn't have a big thing but I don't have a big ego about that right um I know what I do and so a lot of things with chiropractor I know the one thing that I get the most is once I go they're going to sign me up for a year plan I have to see them three times a week for whatever for a little bit of next steps I don't understand you you mentioned that to me I've never even heard that Yeah, yeah it's actually very rampant um and the chiropractic um profession which I didn't know until halfway through school how divided our profession actually is with itself, to be honest. That's uh, like, it's like CrossFit gyms. Yeah, I'll talk to you about that in a second. But like, so they think that, and that's, you know, that actually might tie in a lot with it. But those people, it's like, yeah, that's going to turn you away because you show up and they want you to do 30 visits for 3000 up front. You might save $500 doing it now. And they're like, so I can't tell you how many people and friends I have out in Kansas City who message me. And um, cause that's where I went to school and they'll ask me, hey, I went to this person. This is what they said. And I'm like, well, let me go look at their website, but show me that plan. And if they do, I'm like, run away. It's either a practice management technique that I feel like they I have friends who have done that way and they have to learn scripts to talk to patients. They have a three day thing where you show up for the exam and x-rays usually. Then the second day is the report of findings. So telling you what you find. The third day is money talk and treatment. If someone's coming to me, they want treatment day one. Now, yeah. there might be contraindications. I think you have a broken bone. I'm not adjusting you, right? right. There's still some therapies maybe I can do. Unless it's an emergency, I'm sending you right off. But most people can be treated the same day, right? Um, so they have this program, and then there's scripts. And I'm not about that. Like, I think everything is very fluid. Like, I shouldn't have to have a script to talk to someone. I just know what I'm talking about. Some of it may sound the same, but it's not going to be cookie cutter. Right. Um, I also don't believe that. I love when people say I don't believe in chiropractic. I'm like, well, me either. It's not a religion. It's a healthcare practice, <laughs> right? And so that's cool. But here's the thing is half of our profession treat it like a religion. Um, they're very adjustment is God's gift to life and our light shines out of our hands and that's all you ever need. Um, and I don't. I don't go that way. But those people are also um, chiropractic-centered. And what I mean by that is they are on their own island, and they don't build bridges. They're on their own island saying, you fly to me, and that's all I do. So all they do is chiropractic. They don't like anyone else, and you go to them. That's all you need. Um, I even had talked to someone who's a certain type of a chiropractor. There's energy ones. There's all this other stuff. And I'm not knocking that because I've seen it. Um, I'm just not going to go down that route. And if I know a patient who needs something a little different, I know people to send them to, right? Um, But I just, I don't understand that. And I don't, it doesn't max my brain. So I actually love integrating. Mm -hmm. I love 
sending people uh, when they need it for injections, possible surgical consults, PT, masseuses, right? I think that's so important. Um, a lot of people, though, chiropractic world, are very here. And I know someone who they would show up for their patients, and if they didn't need to be adjusted that day, they would ring a bell, and, like, it would be, like, a cool thing. I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, we're so excited. Like, you show up to the gym. Oh, yeah, you don't have to work out today because you got your first pack of abs. Woo! You right. know, like, I don't get that. And so I don't treat it like that. It is a healthcare, and we do like other professions, right? And so I'm starting to learn is that a lot of medical professions, though, they're starting to become more integrated. But the only problem is, is when they get associated with another chiropractor who is someone who thinks a little differently. Um, we call we call ourselves like forward-thinking chiropractors. We're not stuck in the eight heydays where. Uh, BJ Palmer and DD Palmer, you know, they did it this way that we don't have to do that. I tell people, I'm like, if the medical field still stood on the ground that they were developed in, they'd be still doing bloodletting, right? Like, it right. doesn't make sense to evolve. I think therapies are so important. I think rehab is so important, right? But I know my role in that. And chiropractors, some of them are very old school and they just do adjustment only. Or they rock and crack and send you out the way. There's no diagnosis behind that. Or there's an energy belief. And so all of those are very off-putting and the problem with our field is you can go to five different chiropractors you're gonna get five different treatments there's nothing there's no line right and so my goal is to show people that one we're not weird right it does help I don't have to believe in it right right it does help and I am a doctor who can diagnose things and also treat you in not a cookie cutter way um and so I love that and it could be it could be the athlete in me could be the mom in me it could be the the female that i am right i take a whole other different approach i talk with them about what they want some um and this is any field like they get pressured into well i don't like that's that's that part's uncomfortable to me i don't want that and a lot of people are like oh well you, you need it anyways let me do that treatment for me i'm like no like what do you want what are you comfortable with i'm going to build my bridge to you and i'm slowly going to help you walk over yeah. unless you absolutely need this treatment i'll talk with you but yet you still have the ultimate decision like, if you don't want this, okay, well, let's build it this way. And what's funny is a lot of people say that if they don't like the cracking noise, that they can't get adjusted, like, you know, the pop, right? Um, that is not your bones. That is just joint fluid, um, FYI. But I have three different ways to adjust the neck, and only one of them required the pop, right? Mm -hmm. I can still do motions. Um, I can still do other things. And so I take a whole different approach than most people. Um, I do see people uh, for one or two visits. A rib that's not moving correctly. By the way, there's a lot of physical therapists that adjust now. Yeah. A, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. And here's the thing. Like, mid-back is fine. Pelvis is fine. Like, I get it. Um, they're actually called mobilization. Not really. They can't manipulate too much. But, you know, there's that there's that line. Um, but here's here's where I stand on this. And this is the difference between us chiropractors lead with adjustments and all the extra adjuncts. We have a little bit of rehab, a little bit of therapy. I'm not spending an hour with my patients. I didn't take four years of schooling strictly on a rehab protocol. I know a little bit. If yeah. you need more than something than me, go off to a PT. Right. Or if you're after post-surgery, don't come to me, right? right? Go to them. So PTs, they'll base their practice on rehab. They have a little bit of adjunct things. They spent their whole career learning rehab. We spent our holes learning adjustments. How many, I can't tell you how many adjustment classes I have, palpation classes I had. They only had like seminars after that, right? So, and not that that, and there can be good adjusting PTs as well, 
But what do they see more of? Rehab patients, right? Yeah. So if you're constantly seeing rehab and ACLs, ACLs, ACL, then someone with a neck complaint or a low back complaint or a disc problem comes in and you want to adjust it, you're not seeing it all the time. For me, I'm not seeing ACL tears all the time. So I know a little bit, but no, you need the expert. We're the experts on neck and back and headaches and all this other stuff. Sounds to me, if and tell me if I'm, I'm yeah. wrong here, okay? Uh, like one of your main functions is a, to get someone out of pain. Yep. Okay. Like initially, right? Mm -hmm. Second is to get them moving, joints yep. moving, Absolutely. things like that. Uh, whereas, and if you need to rebuild something, that's more of a physical therapy. Yep. Rebuild or right. like a post-surgical recovery. Right, right. right? Um, and I know PTs have made a long way. They're now doctorates uh, of physical therapy now. It used to mm -hmm. be just... Um, I think a master's, yeah. if I'm correct. Um, I do know they used to not be portal of entry, which that means you can go straight to a PT. For the most part, you still need a referral. I think that has changed recently, to be honest. I think you can just go straight to a PT, depending on who they're associated with, uh, depending on what uh, hospital or anything like that. Um, but we've always been portal of entry, so someone can come straight to us, and then we can refer to a PT. Um, but, yeah, they um, – I think the best triangle part of care is chiropractors, PTs, and a massage therapist. Yeah. Um, I think we get things moving um, quickly. PTs can get that rehab and recovery. Massa masseuses can do muscles, right? We all do massage, but right. they're the experts. Yeah, I recently had a coach that um, they hurt their back lifting. And mm -hmm. uh, he's been in pain for a couple of weeks now. Um, and he, he knows what he did. It was it was yeah. silly. Right, like kind of overloading something you shouldn't. Um, but he's had back pain as long as I've known him. Yep. Right, and so a he needs to get out of pain. But yep. b I sent him to um, our other coach Mesa, who runs our personalized programming. Awesome. Because now it's like, all right, like we need to get you out of pain for yep. starters. But after that, we need to fix the problem that caused this in the first place, which has been going on for years, Yep. right? And it's not gonna happen by resting and then jumping back into class. Like you need a specific plan yep. to work out this problem. Absolutely. But that's where like the things can combine, right? Yes. And, and you have it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, get out of pain, which would be, you know, mm -hmm. you or a massage therapist right. possibly, right? right? And then moving into, um, a physical therapist that can actually write your workouts mm -hmm. in order to uh, progress. Right. Not all physical therapists can do that. Like right. we, we happen to have one specifically that has that's the awesome. knowledge to be able to do that. Um, but that's where I think like working together and building bridges works. Absolutely. I think uh, the it's, it's definitely pain-free, then function, then it's maintaining that. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people either focus on the pain, or you mentioned something, they've had something for so long, they expect something to happen overnight. Yeah. And we're, we're in this microwave generation where we want that in every area of our life. Well, let's think about realities. It doesn't happen that way. When it's a chronic pain, you actually desensitize uh, certain areas of your body where you actually, your body's telling itself it's in pain, but it's really not. So you actually have to, you have to work on that. Um, and so getting pain out, pain's the last thing to show up, but it's the first thing to leave, right? So our wellness patients, what we start seeing is that they catch things before it becomes a pain component. But yeah, there are things that aren't working. It's almost like you get like a knot in your shoulder, you know, everyone calls it shoulder, so I'll go ahead with it. And you, and it's causing you a headache, right? 
But when if you don't know it is, and someone goes, if I went and grabbed your trap right here, or you're like, oh, good. now that hurts, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, you caused that. No, I just made your brain aware of it. Your brain's really smart. Right. And it's not going to sh- have you in pain 24-7. So it's, it's going to shut things off. That's a dysfunction. That's not pain yet. So when we get rid of this pain, now this is going to show up because now it has something to focus on. Right. And so people think their pain jumps or it's not there. Or if I'm not in pain, I'm not injured. And that's very false. And so it's really cool is not even just getting you out of pain, but let's look at a patient by in, in reverse. A patient who's actually feeling good doesn't mean you don't need anything. It's actually the perfect time to make sure function is going well, but also having a program that's so specific to you because everyone's built differently, yeah. right? But also <laughs> someone like me, like you can't do the same routine with me that you can with other people. I'm hypermobile, I had two kids, right? I used to, I'm an ex-athlete, like all these different areas of my life that I'm built completely different than you. Yeah. So we just we just did a group class, okay? Mm-hmm. And there was about, I don't know, 15, 16 yeah. people in that class, right? Um, and I would say at least five of those people should have a specific program mm-hmm. to them because one program is not possibly beneficial across the board. Right. Um, and you can see like you coming back from two years gone and, and your shoulder situation might need a specific program, Absolutely. right? I might need a specific program. You see me um, modify on and off based off of my shoulder right. situation. Uh, but you can look at someone and tell like by their range of motion or how they lock out their elbow or yep. um, can they put their bicep next to yep. their ear. Uh, that's you, I think. <laughs> Um, the thing with that is a lot of people, um, good job. (laughs) A lot of people, um, they don't, they don't realize that they could do something specific to them. Right. And that's where y'all come in so well is that you're able to see those things and be able to modify it that, but where you and I are, we could go do a class and we can modify it ourselves because we, we know our body. Right. Most people don't know that. And so right. a lot of gyms and a lot of other places, they're so focused on one end result that they have everyone doing these muscle ups. And it's like, do you know my shoulder? Or, I actually could not do one. Or a progression to a muscle up. Right. Which I, I don't care what anyone says. Like if, if your end goal is not sports specific muscle ups or you're training to be a gymnast or something like that or you have all the ability in the world to do it and you're just progressing up to that well like a muscle up progression might not be the most beneficial thing for your other goals based off of your time absolutely absolutely and i think some people's focus gets so much on one end where when you have something very specific to you you have your goal so for me um, I love the the group idea. I love that yeah. feel. But I also, my ego, I've learned how to bring it down where I'm okay if I don't, I'm not doing the same thing that someone else is doing. I've had to do it my whole rehab life, right? Um, other people, though, they get in that environment and they'll just go right through. And if they don't have someone specifically saying, hey, no, actually, it's okay to progress. Like, um out there whenever we went to um, the rings, right, mm-hmm. that um, I, um, they showed me a progression. I don't do pull-ups. I've never done one with my shoulder. And so being able to show a progression when everyone else is doing all this other stuff, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even do that. Right. And most time it's like, oh, we'll just try it or do this. Well, no, like there's actually a progression. And hey, knowing that, there might be something else I need to work on on this other side that needs to be outside of that group. Yeah. And and so like, I want to impress upon that, like modifications don't necessarily mean and, and we're talking about two different progressions here. So Ashley's talking about a progression towards being able to do a pull-up. Um, 
which can happen over time. In other scenarios, modifications because something might create pain and it's mm -hmm. not a skill thing, yeah. right? Uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're on the path to progression. Right. It just means you're not in pain doing it. Right. right? Like, and there's a big difference yep. with that. Like, and for some people that's fine to come in and exercise without pain. It's certainly great. Uh, but it doesn't mean you're on the path to be able to do all these things without pain. No, absolutely. I, I want to like. No, that makes that makes complete sense that. because your body, again, your brain's very smart. It's not going to have you do something in pain. So even though you you're doing something, you're not in pain. One, are your glutes activated? Are you doing the right thing? Because are 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 you overloading your low back in a squat? Right. right? Um, but also, it's like if your body knows it's about to have a little tweak here. You modify it's it without you knowing. Yeah, you don't know what that is yeah. doing that. Um, and so then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel good. I've been working out for two months. And all of a sudden now I go and lift up a barbell off the ground and I'm hurting. Actually, it's because you've been doing squats this, this whole way for two months. Yeah. But you don't know it because you don't, you don't have someone else being able to identify that. Yeah, I love it. So I want to get back to some of the, the things you do, okay? Mm -hmm. um, what does rack and crack mean? What does that mean? Let's explain <laughs> so, some of these things. There's people. also, yeah, rack and crack is pretty much someone comes in on the table. It's just, you just rack and crack. Just, 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 just move on out the, move on out the door. Um, there's some clinics out there that are more just that base, just go on with it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we just call it rack and crack or the flying seven is our favorite where. But a rack and crack is an adjustment. It's, it's just adjustments and move on where there's no like, oh, here, 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 move on. Right. Versus you, I may be like, oh, well, this side of the pelvis isn't working right, so let's get that moving. Versus just like, they don't even check, it's just go. Rock yeah, actually kind of like, uh, she had me, she went through like my shoulder, did some like range of motion stuff with mm -hmm. it, uh, played around with, and when I say played around with it, I mean, basically uh, seeing Mm -hmm. where I had mini pain or difficulty, yep. a little mini exam on it. Um, did some adjustments on me, uh, did some other stuff, and then went back to check the range of motion. Yep. Um, and so it wasn't just, you know, based off of what I said, make oh, some no. adjustments and patients, push me out the window. Now, people who are in the fitness or the athletic world may know a little more, but to be honest, patients don't know what it is right so they may say oh well i do this like my shoulder hurts well where oh here so more of your neck or my hip hurts where here no that's your low back right, right? and so people so i i think it's funny is I, I expect that now from patients so when they say my hip hurts i say where and they actually point to their hip joint i'm more shocked now right because you just get to that's where so when pe patients are saying oh this hurts or it hurts when i do this well let's talk about that and i just had another a patient the other day who's been having some trap spasms she used to have headaches she doesn't really have them anymore and she was saying she has numbness and tingling into her hands and that can be caused from multiple things wrist elbow shoulder neck right different areas and so we've been working on a few different things. She said, I only have it when I lift my arm up over my head. I'm like, oh, okay, so we need to work down in here. She's like, it don't hurt there. I said, I don't care. Right. And Trust I explained me. to her and I went to go do it. She went, ow, that hurts. I'm like, I know. Yeah. I know that's where it hurts because of your motion that's hurting you, right? So when people are constantly saying this is where it hurts, that's not always, though, the location. Maybe this thing is just trying to protect what is actually hurt. Right, so you need someone again to um, be able to diagnose that. You can't just go off of what patients said. Oh, what patients say? Other doctors say that's always the fun part too. Let's have a little fun. What is if you're laying in bed and you have numbness in your, let's say, forearm to mm -hmm. hand? What is that? 
So it can be a couple different things. Are you asking for personal I'm asking reasons? for personal reasons. But I know <laughs> so, a lot of people that have this. Like they yeah. go to sleep and they wake up yeah. because their arms numb. Their arms like numb. That. And yep. they're not necessarily sleeping on it. A lot of times. So there's two different things usually. So if it's just hand. And I will say carpal tunnel is something big. But I would tell you carpal tunnel is rarely a carpal tunnel uh, specific injury or an issue. I played the drums. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of keyboard stuff, played piano. Yep. I, I bet I have carpal tunnel. Yeah, but here's the problem is usually it's a double crush syndrome, meaning like it isn't just carpal tunnel. It can be at the elbow or the shoulder. How many failed carpal tunnel surgeries have you heard of? Well, because it isn't just always the wrist. Carpal tunnel is specifically wrist in issue going on into these three fingers, being able to find grip. You can have carpal tunnel with other issues. So we mm-hmm. are very good at diagnosing that. So if it wakes you up at night and it's just into the hand, it could be carpal tunnel. It wakes you up at night. Um, there's another syndrome into the forearm called pronator Terry syndrome that does not wake you up at night. That's the only difference between those two. Same nerve, same everything. Um, but a lot of times with sleeping, it's positional and it's a more of a thoracic outlet syndrome uh, where these muscles get tight. They push on the nerves into the neck. Then that causes the arm to go numb or you're entrapping underneath the armpit or into the chest, which again, that also entraps things going down into the arm. Even at night? Uh-huh. It's positional. How do you sleep at night? <sighs> I sleep all over. Yeah, um, me too. I like to sleep on my stomach, which oh, I know. Oh, that's awful. I know. I know it's So awful. think about it. You sleep on your stomach. Your head's in this position. You are yes. now tightening all the up. Which is why up. you see me. I keep, I well, keep yeah. touching here, my trap right your here. poor neck. Yeah. I'd be, I mean, okay, so people don't realize how much sleep causes, how many problems it causes. You stay in a certain position for eight hours. I know we toss and turn, but you stay there for maybe, let's say, three hours. Stay in a position like this for three hours. Yeah, yeah that's going to hurt. You don't realize that, right? And so, or the right pillow. People who are constantly with here in their neck and their neck so bent back. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you wake up with what we call a kink in the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you just jammed that joint together for eight hours. I'd be mad at you too, right? So let's fix that and don't do that again. <laughs> could, is, is there anything someone could do at home besides seeing you, like just in a simple adjustment to change that? To change, uh, like let's talk about sleep patterns. Like you yeah. know, to avoid if if it is how I'm sleeping that's affecting yeah, my absolutely. hand and well, not one, carpal tunnel. Ob- the obvious, the pillow, the mattress, your sleep positions, right? Best ideal sleep positions on your back, pillow underneath your knees, uh, good support in the neck, right? But who sleeps like that? I'm more. Of a, a, I try. I try. Weird, and I actually know people who do that with their hands on their stomach too, like in the movies. Oh, it's, I try to do that. I no, try to do God, that. No. But I may I start there for like thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, if you do that, well, it's something a real cool little trick is rolling up a towel, putting it up and down in between your shoulder blades, and just letting your shoulders fall back. It's amazing how opening that up feels so good. We do the opposite all day long. We slump over all day yeah, long. Yeah, I have a um, one of my massage therapist friends, uh, Glenn Carenti, he used to be a coach here. He talks about that a lot. Like everything we do, our shoulders slump forward, which cuts off this here yep. in your shoulder. Yep. Um, he says, what, he, he tries to get me to do this all the time. And I do it sometimes, but. We're our worst patients. I know, I, get it. I know. He Like get a weight plate here, pull it to your tress here and hold. Yeah, like three sets of 30 seconds, yeah. right? And you keep working that, holding that position here with yep. your shoulder blade squeezed back. And Lower traps and rhomboids up. are so, so important to strengthen to bring the shoulder blade back to be able to open up the shoulders, opposite of what we're always doing all day long. Um, but that little trick, putting a towel in between the shoulder blades is a natural way of just letting this relax. So that's something you can do in your sleep. 
Um, also with massaging, I like a lacrosse ball. It's the best massage mm-hmm. tool out there. Super. It's like a couple bucks. Go to your local sporting goods store. We sell them in our clinic. Um, but you can use that to rub through like the underneath your arm in the lat area, the posterior cuff of the shoulder, your shoulder blade, your mid tra- mid traps, all those areas in your rhomboids. Um, those are really good areas to massage out. Um, but also in the shower, if you let the hot water roll into your neck and you start massaging the muscles out in front of the neck, they're very sensitive, right? But you massage and you stretch as you move. It's amazing how much release that is. So the biggest thing is when something's numb or something's aching or shooting pains, can you recreate that? And where can you recreate that at? And that's usually how I go and diagnose when it comes to shoulder issues. I feel like I am such an expert at that, not because of my field, but because of my softball and yeah. my injury. Um, I know all the sore, sore spots. I know how a shoulder moves. I know all the little areas that most people don't identify. And my numbness and tingling to my hands doesn't come from anywhere in my shoulder. It's actually down in my lap on the side of my shoulder blade. Yeah. I mean, all the way down. I, I love that. Sometimes our experience makes us the best at what we do. Absolutely. Um, and it's, for me, it's, you know, being overweight, having body dysmorphia makes me a really good nutrition coach when it comes to people that suffer from similar right. body image issues or, um, you know, someone that works out all the time, but doesn't feel like they look like they work out all the time. Like those are the type of people that I specialize in when it comes to nutrition coaching. Um, But anyway, Ashley, in terms of chiropractic, anything else you want people to know Um, that we haven't touched on? I think the biggest thing is word of mouth is so big knowing who you're going to. But like he just mentioned it. Um, knowing someone's backstory and where they've been and why they would be good fit for you, mm-hmm. right? Not, not There's not one person for everyone, right? I everyone agree. has their own people. And so knowing someone's background, knowing someone's heart. So if you go to someplace and you feel a little uneasy, don't stay there, right? Go right. somewhere else. If you happen to message me about, hey, is this right? Well, then maybe you're already questioning it, so you're not going to trust that care, right? Um, so trust your gut with that, but also it's like know someone's background, right? Know where someone's been and what type of care they're going to give and that you can get the care that you want. And I love when patients come in and they're like, this has been hurting, so I've been kind of doing this to relieve it. They kind of know they're already on the path. You right. know your body. Maybe you just don't know how to do it correctly, but you already kind of know. Or maybe so, they just need accountability. Right. Which is huge. Oh my gosh, so big. Which is huge. And so I love when patients come to me and they are told that they there's no hope. You, my favorite is you have arthritis, you have to live with it, there's nothing we can do. Very, very false, huge myth. Um, about to write a blog on that for sure. Um, but there's actually is hope. Arthritis is just a secondary thing. We're all going to have it at some point, right? right? Joint health, that's where nutrition comes in. That's where fitness comes in. Movement of the joints is so, so important in that. And I've had a lady who had two years of back pain with no relief, also from another chiropractor she had gotten treated by, two years laying on a a heating pad within two months. She was pain-free. Wow. Right? And so it's because I listen, and I feel like I'm very big on um, being able to listen to someone's, one, what they feel like is going on, because I'm going to listen to that, because they have a little bit more um, intu- intuition, right? Um, now, I don't follow the the Google Docs, right, which mean like people who are going to Wikipedia and think they know it, right? Um, apples cause cancer, mm-hmm. and also apples the best thing on the earth, so you can find whatever <laughs> you want on the internet. 
Um, but I listen to what they're saying feels better, what they think's wrong, and I'm very um, big on being able to customize that for them. I had a professional athlete on, on this podcast tell me that the biggest reason America is facing an obesity problem is the overconsumption of fruit. Interesting. I struggle. Okay, so I struggle with the fact that if something... I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. Like, it's like you're supposed to eat healthy and yet you can't, which here's why that's why customized diet plans and supplements are so big because someone can actually think they're eating healthy. I have a guy who has a kidney issue and he thought he was eating really good spinach and kale and all these things. And actually it's things not good for him. his kidney infection. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it, you have to, you can't do that. But for fruits to be so natural, yeah, if you're dipping them in something else maybe, but fruits are good. But here's the problem with that. Maybe for him, because at a certain level, most people hear that and say, okay, good, I don't have to eat fruit, so let me go and eat pizza instead, right? No, I can tell you what it is. It's some vlogger, somebody on Instagram that's saying that stuff. Like, that's what it is. No, you know how many bananas or apples you would have to eat in a day for it to become bad for you? Right. Like, it's 30. It's, I mean, who's doing that? I'm not. That's a lot. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to eat If one you or two. ate 30 <laughs> bananas or apples in a day, you probably wouldn't poop for four days. Probably. <laughs> Just the the amount of fiber in that, like it would right? be ridiculous. Right? So, oh my gosh, uh, so funny. Yeah. Anyway, but I love what Ashley said about um, what she does the best is listening to what the patient wants, mm -hmm. and and I think about that when we do our nutrition and fitness right here, like just like Ashley said, but building bridges, finding the best solution possible for her patient. And if it's something that she can't provide, she refers out. We yeah. do something very similar here. Like yep. there is not one methodology when it comes to fitness that is the best for everyone. I don't care what anyone right. says, right? Like, nope, 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 nope. And the same thing goes for nutrition. There is not one diet that is the best for everyone. Yeah. It's what, what the best diet for you is the one you can sustain. Absolutely. And Period. what's realistic. Yeah, right? what's realistic. Because right? people will tell, like, now I'm in the mom world with, you know, almost five-year-old and almost one-year-old, and they want to tell you these things. And I'm like, do you understand my life and my toddlers? And my Like, that's not – I can't meal prep – for all these things, all this time and do this this way, like there has to be a little more customization, but you're so right. What can I sustain? I can sustain a crash diet for three days, but after that, it's not going to work. What's, what's more cultish? Mom world? Oof. CrossFit world. I don't know. Or chiropractic world. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> We're Mom about to get lit on fire here. Right. Mom world is great, but we have a lot of judgment um, in between. There's a lot of judgment. It's Why are moms of, judging the shit out of people all the time? It's a lot of judgment. And like, you don't want to be judged, but yeah, you'll judge others because you're like, why would you ever do that? And so I really work on that with myself. Like if I do have a thought, I try to, unless I just feel like it's over the line, then I don't have um, things to say. I guarantee you every parent at some point in their life has looked at their kid doing something really stupid and been like, nah, screw it. I, I don't have the energy to deal with that right now. So uh, <laughs> case in point, um, I was pregnant and my toddler was running around naked. I was FaceTiming my brother and he was saying, oh, I'd never let my kid run around naked. I'm like, well, one, I'm pregnant. I'm not getting off this couch. Also, so but what? But two, um, you come chase him around. What's the problem? <laughs> well, funny thing is he now has a little baby girl. Um, she's three months old, so I can't wait to see that transition. But people who don't even have kids are so judgmental. It's like you don't understand our world yet. No, you don't I get agree. it. But I yeah, agree. there's times that parents also look at their kids like, oh dear. It's just what like, what are they doing? <laughs> I hear this all the time. Um, 
and and I'm big on like you need different things for different times in your life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm really big on that, and I've kind of gone through the gamut uh, yep. recently. But you hear trainers say everyone has time to work out. Like I don't understand. Well, you don't have kids. You might not run a business. You might not have both. Right. Like of course you have two hours every day to work out. Of course you can find time. Right. You know. Now is there ways to troubleshoot that? Absolutely. But just some blanket statement like that is the most asinine thing I ever heard. And it's a slap in the face to people out there that have really stressful um, lives. And it it might not be, maybe they do have time, but maybe they don't have the energy to do it, the mental capacity right now to do it. And so stop, stop y'all. The blanket statements don't work. No. They don't work. Ashley, where can, do you, is your practice on social media? Yes, it is. All right. Where, where can they find you? It's on Facebook, Instagram. It's called River Ridge Chiropractic. Our, uh, the little URL thing is Cairo River Ridge. Um, yeah. So we, I do a lot of information through that. A lot of tips on what to do. Write a lot of blogs on various things. Um, there's even a fun one of what do you wear when you go to a chiropractic visit? You know, that can be a little self-conscious. Um, and so Nothing. trying to, right. No, please don't. Um, yeah, don't do that. And so, um, yeah, that's where we're at. Awesome. So Ashley, uh, if you're local to the New Orleans area, Ashley's going to be, uh, coming to our gym. Yep. Um, and you'll be able to book an appointment here at Rue, um, and get worked on in the gym if you want, if it's rather convenient for you. So stay tuned for that. We'll have that available. Uh, and remember, like when it comes to whatever practitioner you are seeking, whether it's fitness, nutrition, chiropractic, physical therapy, MD, dentist, whatever, okay, massage therapist, do your research, look yep. up, you know, Absolutely. that's what it comes down to. Uh, there's a reason these fields exist. Yep. You know, absolutely. There's a reason these fields exist. Um, And there's a lot of success stories out there. So don't just one bad apple spoil them all. Absolutely. Amen. So, all right, y'all. Hope you enjoyed this. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.